Hey listeners, Chase here with a little bit of a game for this week's episode. This week you might know we start off Return of the King, and the first chapter involves Pippin and Gandalf. Now I want you to kind of listen closely and see how many times we mess up, and instead of saying Pippin, we say Merry instead. It's quite often, and just I would be very curious to see if anyone will actually take the time to actually count how many times we mess up and post it to Twitter or something, but I'd like to have this information. Other than that, enjoy our first episode covering The Return of the King. And welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today we're discussing chapter one of book one of Return of the King, or chapter one of book five of The Lord of the Rings. So the chapter one, Minas Tirith. Uh, as always, Katie's going to get us started with Today in Middle-Earth and Elvish Word of the Day. Then we're going to pop over to Chase, who's going to quickly catch us up on the events of last week. Oh, no. <laughs> in this case in this case chase is just going to talk about a movie for a little bit uh, then we'll spend the bulk of our episode rejoining gandalf and pippin for the first time in 11 chapters and then as always our favorites both from this week's reading and the past week of our lives so i'm john i'm katie and i'm chase yes you are all right katie today is Thursday, June 9th. You want to take it away? Yes. So uh, June 9th, actually, I don't really have a whole lot to report on, but the 7th, just a couple days ago in the year 2942. So once again, this is back in the uh, happenings of The Hobbit. Um, Gandalf, Bilbo, and the dwarves are kind of settling in at Rivendell at the last homely house. That was from The Hobbit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So there you have it. All right. And you have a word for us today. I do. So I chose a Quenyan word today, and the word is arandur. And. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Just keep. Just, what's, what's, what, what, is that, what does that word mean, Katie? Okay. It means minister or steward. Oh, I see why you picked that now. Uh huh. Arandur? Was that what it was again? <laughs> Yes. Uh, Nailed it. Add one deer. (laughs) Am I over enunciating? (laughs) Did I add like a few consonants in there that don't belong there? Add and deer. Add and deer. Close enough. It's like a thing that's... It's like a a walking tank from the Empire. It sounds like add at deer. (laughs) What? Yeah. That was a stretch. Hey, if you didn't know, Chase is in a weird mood today. Chase is in a weird so mood. So I. Uh, so to the listeners, if you remember from last episode, uh, my birthday was June 3rd. And we're recording this the day after my birthday. So I might be a little... What's Worse the Elvish word for hungover? Uh, Adendweer. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Chase, you want to catch us up briefly on what we talked about last week? We watched the movie for The Two Towers and covered... Uh, how what was taken out 
But not a whole lot was taken out because it's just going to show up in Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And that was mostly it. And we kind of talked about how much we really liked that movie. That is still my favorite out of all these movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm actually starting to think now that it might be my favorite Peter Jackson movie, ultimately, if that's the case. However, I still have a really? soft spot in my heart for Frighteners. You know, I'm like the only person who still likes King Kong. I think you are too. I like King Kong. You like King Kong too. Yeah. I watched it. I watched it fairly recently, and I was not, mm-hmm. wasn't having it. For some, it's 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 over big, but the emotional beats are very nice. It, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, additionally, so before we get off on a, on a tangent, uh, so yeah, last week we did did talk about the Two Towers movie, and then just I'm going to sneak in there what happens actually at the end of the Two Towers where we last left off reading. So if we recall, Frodo was taken by the orcs. Um, because Sam had thought that he had died. He yeah. thought that Sh- Shelob had killed him. Turns out, however, and so Sam then has this great like emotional turmoil over whether to take the ring, ends up deciding that the quest has now fallen to him, so he takes the ring, uh, and then only to learn that Mr. Frodo is indeed not dead, uh, and follows and listens as the orcs kind of reveal this, and uh, uh, among some other things as well, uh, and ends up being separated from Mr. Frodo. So if we recall at the end of the two towers, Frodo is alive, but Sam is separated from him and he has the ring. Also to add in onto that, because the two towers is broken up in such a weird way. Mm-hmm. The last time we had seen Frodo or not Frodo Pippin and mm-hmm. Gandalf mm-hmm. Pippin used the Palantir right. and saw some crazy psychedelic stuff. No, he saw, <laughs> he, he had a conversation with we come to consensus that was Sauron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came to, and then uh, the enemy got onto a move because of that. And Gandalf was like, "We're gonna go to Minas Tirith," and they drove to Minas Tirith on Shadowfax. Who drove? Who drove? Who drove? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that was great. Okay, can you remind me again what Gandalf was like? <laughs> For some reason, I made him like like Doc Brown. <laughs> go to Minas Tirith. <laughs> Apparently, All I'm right. in a mood too. That was a, a good call to catch us up with the, the last book and the book before that. I've been pumping caffeine into this room. <laughs> That's what's happening. Because, yes, as I hinted in the opening, uh, rather than rejoining, uh, I almost just said Peter and Fran. <laughs> who, who, who are they, pray tell? Uh, the director and his partner of the movies. <laughs> Instead of rejoining Sam and Frodo. Uh, we rejoin Gandalf and Pippin, who are, uh, as you said, galloping um, to Minas Tirith. They're not on a horse. They themselves are galloping. It's quite a sight. Yeah, true. And they also are banging some coconut halves together. And, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. Um, yeah, but no, Shadowfax, of course, is burying them with much haste uh, for, um from Isengard to Gondor. And um of course if we recall Gondor is situated where in Gondor. It- <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought you said Ministerith for a second. <laughs> uh Gondor just is in Gondor. just west of Mordor. Right. And it's- is directly south or somewhat south of Rohan. Yeah. And so as they're kind of galloping a- across this the countryside and um, Pippin is sort of waning in and out of waking. He's um, poor, poor little hobbit, tired beyond all reason. And um, they, he sees that the beacons are lit. There's beacons and uh, all throughout the 
this realm uh, that, of course, are used to communicate uh, between the far-off distances. And um, this is, of course, an indicator that war is brewing. Uh, once a, yet another indicator that war is brewing. We've, of course, have known this for quite some time, but this is like official sign. Hey, hey, yeah. help. And that is becomes a writing theme of not just... I imagine this is what this book's going to probably feel like, mm-hmm. but this whole chapter has had this kind of real underpinning of something bad's about to happen yeah like some they don't really fully go into detail what could happen yeah but everybody is really on edge and especially how we discover who is inhabiting Minas Tirith right now mm-hmm. which was if I remember correctly if I didn't read it wrong that was fascinating and weird um mm-hmm. but th- the point being that war is in the air mm-hmm. the moment they cross into Gondor and that's something All right, that we well before we digress too yeah, yeah, far, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want to say that when Pippin saw the beacons, the first thing he was like, fire, fire, Gandalf, are there dragons in the land of Gondor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. So, yes, but war is building. And yeah. As, and, and as I, they get in. I, I want to make a quick comment, though, before we actually get into anything uh, coming off of what Chase was saying that, you know, this whole chapter has a feeling of, you know, something is coming. Um, that's quite astute and something that I want to point out in general about this chapter um, and about what we're going to see throughout the book as well is that feeling of like doom and gloom and um, we get a lot of it in this chapter uh, you know atmospherically and you know uh, through uh, dialogue as well Um, and we get this feeling of impending doom of course but also this kind of ambiguity of the of 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 the evil you know like just weird darkness so yeah we'll we'll make note of that quite often along the way as we'll see but anyway back to what you were saying john um yeah so as they come in they uh basically pass a well there's a lot of exposition in this chapter that i don't think we're really going to be able to go through um but as they come in they come up to a wall that is kind of in disrepair and they're kind of working on it and it's explained that this is the wall around the, uh, the Pelennor fields mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of like a circuit wall around Minas Tirith and it's not actually the wall of the city because Minas Tirith itself has seven walls and seven right. rings. Um, but this is like kind of enclosing inco- in- the field around it and uh, as they're passing through, uh, they're stopped by guards and of course they recognize Mithrandir and let him through but there's all this confusion about who 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 mary is i mean pippin pippin mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and there's this great exchange uh that let's I, just say there there obviously would be very wary of anybody especially coming in from well, the direction of isengard i and would they, say they should be they should be yeah. on edge um but well, yeah be- because at first they say what is he a dwarf out of the mountains in the <laughs> north we wish yeah. for no strangers in the land of this time mm-hmm. unless they be mighty men of arms and whose faith and help we can trust. And Gandalf says, you know, like, I'll vouch for him before Denethor. And then he says, uh, his name is 
Peregrine, a very valiant man. man. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's that's this exchange that I had that I had made note of that I really liked, and uh, that you know, then of course the guard kind of incredulously asks, "Man?" And Pippin then of course responds, "Man, indeed not. I am a hobbit, and no more valiant than I am a man, save perhaps now and again by necessity. Do not let Gandalf deceive you." I love. So the, I love how quick he is. <laughs> I love that bit because it almost feels like Gandalf is like almost like is trying to trump him up so he can like so we can just get out of here and then like and then like pippin is just like no no i'm a hobbit and i and then like you know probably going i was like shut up shut up <laughs> just <laughs> let it go <laughs> but yeah so he they they let them through and they're going to the city and like i said there's a lot of there's a lot of um exposition that's really hard to to get across but it's Basically, like you, you just come to the conclusion that this city is the most beautiful dang thing in, in, in Middle Earth. Yeah, at least a, I did. That, Seven walls. I mean, yeah, immaculate. That it's beautiful and immaculate, and you know, immaculately designed. But also that there's evidence of it that it's in disre- disrepair. And Pippin notices this. And I think again, that's something that we've seen in the past couple of chapters as well. With, um, you know, uh, especially with our talks with Faramir. Uh, that remember like the city and those who inhabit the city have forgotten to really defend it and um, that's why Gondor has kind of fallen from its glory days and again remember the king has 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 been there hasn't been a king for ages it's almost like we're coming it it feels like a mirroring of Rohan Mm -hmm. uh, but the the there's no spell upon this place. It is just right. the I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word apathy, but the um the kind of tiredness or the yeah. worn outness I, that comes from being at the I mean, directed to the west of Mordor. Yes, exactly. It's that kind of unfortunate uh happenstance of being at death's doorstep. Yep. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Um and so the city is built upon a hill and it ascends in rings and there's a gate at each kind of ascension and a wall at each ascension. And then there's this kind of pillar of stone that pierces all with the two outermost rings. And on the very top of the hill is a citadel and on top of the citadel is a tower. So roughly the top of the hill is about 700 feet. That's where the citadel is. And then there's a tower that's about 300 feet on top of that. And so it says that the uh, kind of the, the flag of the steward, they're sorry, the banner of the stewards floated a thousand feet above the plane. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's no small undertaking. That's the size of, like, you know, the Empire State Building, for instance. Uh, a, profe- uh, a professor of mine would have used the phrase profoundly vertical. Um, uh, and that professor's <laughs> name is Dr. Ethel Goodstein. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you knew exactly who I was talking about. I'm Facebook friends with her. I know she's great. I actually don't like. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I don't. I don't like. I don't like this art from the movie. I'm looking up art for for this. I really like this one. Oh. Um, for what kind of uh, artistic rendition of what Minas Tirith looks like, and it kind of looks like a future city in a lot of art I've noticed. <laughs> well, so what I was going to say, Chase, do you do you remember how many rings of the city are there? Well, seven. Yep. Okay, and so that means that there are seven. Um, 
like blockades, doors, or gates? Gates. And uh, do you remember anything else about seven gates? Oh, this sounds so familiar. Is this is this a, is this a Silmarillion pool? Yes. Oh wow. I don't remember, but it it does sound extremely familiar. Gondolin was protected by seven gates. Yep. Oh, okay. And if we recall, Gondolin was one of the great, yeah, great cities. So there's another aspect of deep lore that went into the building of this city, which mm-hmm. was built by the Numenorians. Mm-hmm. So they would have connection to that. Yep. Oh yes, uh, Minas Tirith was not Gondolin. It sounded like you're insinuating that oh. men built Gondolin at first. I was very confused. No, 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 no. <laughs> Minas Tirith is located yeah, no, in Gondor, which we know that Gondor is located in Gondor. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, but I mean, this place really is kind of the Gondolin of mankind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so we're getting to where Gandalf and Pippin make it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and move on. So they're, uh, yeah, Gandalf, they, they get to uh, this kind of last guard, you know, each each gate going through guards. And um, Gandalf gives the men kind of a very ominous um, uh, bit of information and says that basically the Gondor, as you know, it is going to change. Uh, also, I need to speak with Lord Denethor. And... Um, Pippin, of course, is all the while kind of being amazed at at the city, but also noticing, as I said, um, that Minas Tirith seems to be sort of falling into a state of disrepair and decay as well. Um, And so they finally get to the Citadel, and uh, there's this fountain, uh, and with this fountain, there's a dead tree. And Pippin really wonders about this tree. It, it and, looked. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. It looked mournful. He thought, and he wondered why the dead tree was left in this place where everything else was well tended—seven mm-hmm. stars and seven stones and one white tree. Yep, and that's something that we should uh, we should w- wonder about, as does Pippin. Uh, so, th- as as they're about to enter the hall, Gandalf kind of gives Pippin the one two and he says be careful of your words master peregrine there is no time this is no time for hobbit pertness <laughs> Theoden is a kindly old man Denethor is of another sort proud and subtle a man of far greater lineage and power though he is not called a king but he will speak most to you and question you much since you can tell him of his son Boromir he loved him greatly too much perhaps and the more so because they were unlike but under cover of his love, he will think it easier to learn what he wishes from you rather than from me. Do not tell him more than you need and leave quiet the matter of Frodo's errand. I will deal with that in due time and say nothing about Aragorn either unless you must. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the, I, f- I feel like the first takeaway from that is in, in, in many ways, this is back to that whole Gandalf doing things like being, oh, yeah, we're taking care of your thing. I'm also going to kind of be using you as kind of like a prop in front of me slightly. Because I also have uh, far bigger things to, to deal with as well. Because um, he kind of does send up, send up Pippin like, uh, yeah, you're going to get a lot of questions mm-hmm. kind of deflecting onto him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, uh, Pippin responds like, why not Aragorn? And Gandalf is like, 
Oh, well, Theoden... Gandalf drops or, some uh, knowledge. <laughs> not Theoden. Faramir is... Not Faramir. Denethor. Good God. <laughs> Denethor is so preoccupied with the loss of his son that we don't want to make him... We don't want to preoccupy him with the loss of his seat, too, mm-hmm. with the, you know... Aragorn coming back to be a king and then Pippin is like wait Aragorn's Aragorn? a king? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's like Strider? <laughs> what? So yeah this is news to Pippin that, that Strider slash Aragorn is the rightful king of Gondor. Um, <laughs> so I, I just And then love that. Gandalf says if you had walked all these days with closed ears and mind asleep wake up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. I, I feel like Gandalf should have said right there when he said that, and like Pippin goes, "What? I didn't know." That's like, "Good, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Exactly how you are." <laughs> yeah, that's yes, that's, that's the exactly correct what you need to be response. Doing. Um, but I also want to point out too that uh, as they're you know entering this um, the the citadel, uh, we notice that the the tower guards there are wearing the symbol of Elendil, um, which is the white tree, uh, an, an image of the white tree. And it says that nobody else in the in the kingdom of Gondor wears that symbol, just the tower guards. Yeah. So, again, just little little details to take note of. And um, then, as we get inside, more beautiful description. I'm going to skip most of it, but mm-hmm. there was a jeweled image of a white tree behind the throne, which was set up on a multi-layered dais. Uh, however, there was nobody sitting in the throne, mm-hmm. but on the first step of the dais was a smaller chair set off to the side in which. Denethor is hunched over. It's kind of black stone chair. And yeah, Denethor is seated on that and hunched over and kind of staring at at, at, at his lap. And uh, turns out what he's holding in his lap and staring at, of course, is that broken horn. Uh, the If we recall, the horn of Boromir. And um, if we recall as well, Denethor is, of course, Boromir's father. And so, so Gandalf has come here to uh, to to speak with with Denethor, and it, from the very beginning, uh, it seems they're not on good terms. Nope, <laughs> nope, not at all. Yeah, um, Denethor, however, does uh, just like Gandalf had said, seem very interested in Pippin, and. Um, he really wants to hear about Boromir. That's his number one concern. He- hearing about uh, Boromir's kind of last stand. I, I actually got really weirded out in this chapter because it. Well, not really this chapter, but this section because I kind of felt like th- this. This isn't like me criticizing the book. This is me trying to like be in tune with what Tolkien's throwing down. I feel like I was we were wasting time. Well, but not like, but not like in a, but in a, in a very intentional sort of way. Like there was something behind the fact time was being wasted on this sort of stuff. Well, so first things first, when they talk about the death of Boromir, if you remember back to last book, when Faramir was talking about the death of Boromir and finding the horn kind of cleaving in half. So here, Denethor has half the horn and kind of tells how this horn has been passed through countless generations of his family, and now it is broken. Mm-hmm. So more kind of of that foreboding sense. But then Denethor says, yes, I'm setting aside an hour for you. He has his servants bring 
wine and some cakes, and he uses the time to grill Mary. Pippin. Pippin. <laughs> I keep doing that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like makes a point of being like, I'm a very busy man, but we're taking an hour to, to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also, uh, before any of this happens, well, before they take the hour, uh, Mary... Pippin. <laughs> oh my god. I need we need a swear jar every time I a do Pippin. this. Um, every time you misname a hobbit. Yes. An angel gets its wings. No. No, that doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> um he he, he, he but basically anyway. swear swear oh, go ahead. Oh, I just love this great kind of note from, from Pippin. It says Denethor looked indeed much more like a great wizard than Gandalf did, more kingly, beautiful, and powerful and older. Yet by a sense other than sight, Pippin perceived that Gandalf had the greater power and the deeper wisdom and a majesty that was veiled. And he was older, far older. How much older, he wondered. And then he thought how odd it was that he had (laughs) never thought about it before. (laughs) Treebeard had said something about wizards, but even then he had not thought of Gandalf as one of them. What was Gandalf? And what far time and place did he come into the world? And when would he leave it? And then his musings broke off and he saw that Denethor and Gandalf still looked each other in the eyes of reading the other's mind. But it was Denethor who first withdrew his gaze. So Gandalf is like, are you not interested in the fact that I come from Isengard and I've like broken Saruman's staff? And, and Denethor's like, like N- no, I want to hear about Boromir. <laughs> well, Denethor also says like, I know of this. Yeah. And so throughout this whole part of the chapter, there's really heavy telegraphing that uh, Denethor has some gift of foresight. Yes. And uh, at one point, Gandalf even says Denethor is basically of the same blood as Aragorn just not of the royal line. So, you know, he has Numenorean blood in him. He has more kind of power than the average man. And Gandalf tells us as well that that has also kind of come down to Faramir, but not to Boromir. Interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like this. It's almost like um, what Pippin was, was noting right there was how... Denethor almost seems like his own personal mental perception of a wizard, whereas Gandalf mm-hmm. isn't that to yeah. some degree, which is very interesting and really adds another dimensional layer to Gandalf for me. Well, yeah. And again, we've we've had little bits of uh, kind of Hobbit's perception of quote unquote magic, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like elf magic or whatever too. And I think also we all consider Gandalf to be, I mean, there, there's, there's Gandalf the wizard and then there's Gandalf like uncle Gandalf, right? Yeah. Who, who comes and, 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 you know, sets off fireworks and scolds you for being a silly fool or whatever, you know? Um, but then there's also Gandalf, this great wizard who can you know explode a passage and stuff like that but well and also seemingly like a politician yeah too yeah 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 Yeah. so yeah but but i also really liked that like pippin chose this time to consider the nature of wizards when you know it's kind of weird (laughs) yeah just like how things occur to pippin and when he decides to ponder on them i almost expected like him to get done with that trail of thought and get also going hey hey wake up (laughs) wake up pippin (laughs) We're done with the hour. You didn't say anything. <laughs> well, so, but speaking of Pippin choosing this moment to do something. Yep. Pippin, so, you know, he he um, realizes that he owes a debt to Gondor because Boromir died saving, saving his life. Um, and so 
he doesn't really know what's making him decide to do this, but he kneels before the steward and offers his sword and his service as payment. And Denethor accepts. He seems kind of like a little amused, uh, but he accepts and takes Pippin into his guard. My favorite bit of that was he kind of like, he he's almost like doing this thing where he's like, um, it's almost like a speech of sorts. Like he's saying towards them where he's like expressing this promise to hold this. Mm-hmm. There's a line in this though that weirded me out. And I want to specifically take note of it, mm-hmm. which was, um, this is when Pippin is basically speaking to Denethor here. Do I swear fealty and service to Gondor and to the Lord and steward of the realm to speak and to be silent, to do and to let be to come and to go in need or p- plenty, in peace or war, in living or dying, from this hour henceforth until my lord release me, or death take me, or the world end, which was... Or the world end, yeah. That hit me really hard for... <laughs> it almost... It, there's like this, like, there's like this, this, like, really ominous aspect to that of like, yeah, this could happen. Also kind of like, I also got a bit of a chuckle out of it, because it's like, yeah, that could happen. I get out of this earlier <laughs> than I think, you know. I could be released from service if just, you know, the the world were to end. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, this happens before the hour, then they spend the hour, and when they leave, uh, basically, it is said that there's a little guest house set aside for Gandalf, and Mary can, oh my god, Pippin. <laughs> why did, why did, why, how are you still, how, what, what? I don't you, know. Uh, <laughs> well, Pippin can go with him, and... Uh, I, I want to. Someone I wanna, will come to teach. I want to touch on one thing before I move on from that, though, and it's just the very end of this discussion with Denethor that Gandalf has. I just really liked something that Gandalf said. So again, you know, as I had said earlier, it's very apparent that Denethor and Gandalf are not 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 on good terms. Denethor accuses Gandalf, as we've seen before, of being a manipulator, um, of only bringing bad tidings, that kind of stuff, and. Um, basically calls him kind of like, well, a a manipulator. Um, And uh, Denethor says, you know, that he is kind of ruling in the stead of the king and will continue to do so until the king returns, should that happen. Um, And says, you know, he's a a steward. And Gandalf reminds him, you know, I'm just here to... uh, to, to to take care to to foster the good of Middle Earth during this dark time, and says uh, his, his last words are for I am also or for I also am a steward. Did you not know? And then kind of like storms out. That was awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. That was awesome. great. Um, I really like that. Yeah. So then, yes, this is when. Per- uh, I just said Perry, which is who is better, Perry? but not oh right. My. Perry oh. Mason. This is when Perry Mason gets no. This is no. when Pippin gets his tour and taught some of the minor passwords. Uh, Pippin, being a hobbit, can only think of like, man, it has been three hours since sunrise. Where is breakfast? <laughs> so he's met uh, by a, a a guard whose name is Baragond, son of Baranor, mm-hmm. and they have this cute little bromance. I love Baragond. Yeah, so um, I I like how like so it, it it's 
what, what was it? So he like he uh, was it Baragon who bows to him as, as is the the custom of Gond? I don't know. I think no. So. It's just it's it's people in the street. Yeah, people yeah. because yeah. They're, yeah. In in the hour and a half since their arrival, rumor has spread that. The, you know the, the great prince Mithrandir of the halflings has come. Come. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah the prince of the halflings and then that he's going to bring an army of five thousand halfling warriors mm-hmm. yeah or that the rohirrim are coming and each of them has with them a halfling warrior like yeah so it's 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 great how this uh rumor has spread throughout the city now yep um but but yeah i really do like uh kind of pippin and 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 baragond because again uh, what do they do but kind of learn from each other because you know Baragond is there as we said to teach Pippin the passwords of the city but also to tell him things that he may not know about the city well, and then it says in return I would like to hear about you because we don't hear about halflings here and you are fascinating because you look like a child well it's good for the audience because as a reader I don't know much about Gondor other mm-hmm. than the big stuff but Baragon is very good about giving us the recent up-to-dates. Like, for example, what is going on with Osgiliath? Yeah. Um, why does everything seem like it's in disrepair? What's, you know, what's the tone of everything? Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what we get from him. And it it's interesting, especially the Osgiliath stuff. That mm-hmm. that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so Osgiliath used to be the great city of Gondor, and it fell a long time ago. But then Denethor retook it, and they built the bridge as a way to kind of keep guard on Mordor and then the fell riders came, but then they retook half of the city and yes. Yeah. Uh, like I said, a lot of exposition in this chapter that I'm kind of steamrolling through. I apologize. Uh, importantly, as they're kind of going on this tour of the city, Baragon says, Oh, well they, they see some people kind of off in the distance cause they're on top of a hill. And he's like, Oh, those are people going off to the hills. Uh, Basically, the city's evacuating. There are almost no women or children left. Some children, like my son, insisted on remaining, and they have kind of errands that they're doing to they help have, us get ready. It's like only people in the city right now have are, are there serving some kind of purpose to protect the city. And that's the part that weirded me out. That was the moment when I was like, this is different from the Fellowship of the Ring. This is different from Two Towers mm-hmm. because previously... In the Fellowship of the Ring, we were in areas where people were very unaware mm-hmm. of what's going on in the rest of the world to Rohan, where people are kind of aware, but are, are still under the influence of Isengard and are suddenly becoming aware of what's happening to Gondor, which is very aware. Right under the nose of... <laughs> but is still, but yeah. is so aware that they have kind of become kind of fighting existential crisis in mm-hmm. a way from all this, as well as understanding that they need to evacuate the city, that, that Minas Tirith is kind of a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And that is interesting because it's a very big city. And most of the people have left, except mm-hmm. for the people who are required for holding the city. And that just was a moment of like, oh, oh, this is different. This is really different compared to where we've come from. Yeah. Um. So... One of the things they do on their walking tour is go visit Shadowfax because there are no horses allowed in the Citadel and the Gondorians are just not really, uh, they're referred to as like keepers of beasts. Like they're just not really keepers of beasts. Yeah. Uh, they do have a couple of nice horses to deliver messages. And so Shadowfax has been put up with them. And it's nice because when Pippin <laughs> comes in, uh, Shadowfax like recognizes him and kind of 
is happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Nays and approval. <laughs> um, but no, I, but I like it though. Like when he nays, like the the barn shakes. Yeah. Again, like <laughs> you got to remember, like Shadowfax is not just a horse. He's he's like the horse. He he's the uh, he's the king of horses, the yeah. lord of horses. Yep. He nays, and it's more like nay. <laughs> And then everything rumbles and everyone's like, whoa, <sighs> this thing's a big deal. But yeah, again, I just have to really appreciate um, the uh, no, the notice and that, that Tolkien makes with horses, especially in, I mean, you know, not just shadow facts too. It's, uh, you know, a, a, any horse, it's all, they're always treated very well by their masters as they should be. And uh, I, I just love that, of course. Um, but there's great care and respect given to shadow facts because, again, he's, he, he is shadow facts. And, yeah, Baragon, like, really remarks on how he looks. He looks like he's ready to go, not as though he just carried you, like, yep. you know, m- many leagues across. So what about the saddle? You don't <laughs> have a saddle on this guy. <laughs> No, nope. no, 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 no saddle is great enough for, <laughs> for shadow facts. Um, and then much to Pippin's enjoyment, they do get food. Uh, because yeah, poor Pippin, he, he, re- he realized what time it was time, time for food eating. And then I, I love how he, he, he asked, uh, like he's wondering, do they even eat here? Do they breakfast here? Do they have breakfast? And he asked he asked Baragond about that, and Baragond kind of gave him a rep- a response that horrified him at first because he was like, well, I mean, you know, we have our 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 morning meal, and then you go do work, <laughs> and uh, you have eaten as well as any other person who works at a post here. And Pippin's like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> But thankfully, but, they do go get to get food. Uh, the only thing I remember out of this is they call lunch nunchen. Nunchen, yeah. I, I, I hung on to that as well. The that new, was great. The, it's the noon so, meal, nunchen. Nunchen. Mm-hmm. As, as they're kind of talking, Pippin asks, you know, why were the beacons lit last night? And Baragon says, it is over late to send for aid when you're already besieged, but I do know the council of the Lord and his captain, or sorry, I do not know the council of the Lord and his captains. They have many ways of gathering news, and the Lord Denethor is unlike other men he sees far. Some say that as he sits alone in his high chamber in the tower at night and bends his thought this way and that, he can read somewhat of the future, and that he will at times search even the mind of the enemy wrestling with him. And so it is that he is old, worn before his time. But however that may be, my Lord Faramir is abroad beyond the river on some perilous errand, and he may have sent tidings. So here we have another implication that Denethor has some kind of power. And well, one note that we didn't one note that we did not discuss when it happened earlier in the text is during their meeting, Gandalf kind of made a passing reference to the Palantir at Isengard and uh Mary Pippin thought that he uh, heard, not heard, saw like a flash mm-hmm. in Denethor's eyes and thought that maybe Denethor read his face or recognized him, peered into him. Yeah, So yeah. there's there's a lot of telegraphing that maybe Denethor has a palantir and has been using it, trying to read right. the mind of the enemy. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Maybe he is a palantir. No, we're not. No. <laughs> no. Um. 
But yeah, they, you know, then this is at, at this point when, you know, Pippin is kind of looking out and see and sees the ruin of Asgiliath and um, also has this uh, discussion with Baragond about the Black Riders. And of course, Pippin doesn't want to say how much he knows about the Black Riders. He doesn't want to think about them ever again. Um, and then he's kind of he's kind of looking out and he sees this shadow in the east over Mordor. And um, that's, again, uh, what I had talked about earlier about this kind of, this ambiguity of, of evil growing. Uh, this is the kind of visual manifestation of that that we're given. Um, it's just this ominous shadow, and, and Pippin can't really tell if it's cloud cover or if it's mountains in the distance, but it just looks, it, it looks like doom. And... Um, I've, I've, Baragond has a really interesting perspective about this um, because, as as we've said and as we know, Gondor has always been close to the threat of Mordor. Um, they've all they've always been under that threat, um, and the city is preparing for war. Um, but now Baragond, you know, as they're having this discussion, he basically says there's there's not much hope that they're going to survive this oncoming war that's what i'm saying about like how like we'll have these fun moments where with these two characters where they hang out but then baragon lays down some like heavy really heavy yeah, stuff dark stuff mm -hmm. yeah um so after after they lunch pippin brings back what he can spare and gives it to to shadowfax, to shadowfax who is happy for the food Oh, um, but also something uh, we get a little bit more from Baragond, uh, some some words about Faramir that I'd like to point out as well. Um, and Baragond basically talks about how Faramir is sort of different. He, you know, he he's a captain and a great captain, but he's also really a scholar. And I like, you know, we, we've heard people point out differences between Boromir and Faramir before, but I like this other perspective that Baragond has, um, that he says uh, that Faramir is less reckless and eager than Boromir, but no less resolute. Mm -hmm. You know, that again, as we've said before, like both of these men love their city and want to protect it, but they're so different in the way they go about the way they go about those things. And Baragond, I think, perfectly sums that up. So then Baragond uh, says to Pippin, you're basically free for the rest of the day um, and asks him to do an errand, which is go look after his son, basically. Yeah. So Pippin uh, strolls through the city, and this is when all of the people just, like, come out to see him. The prince and... of the halflings. <laughs> exactly. And it says, you know... A lot of them are speaking in a, a language that he doesn't understand, but not before long, he learned at least what was meant by Ermil e Ferianath, or however that's pronounced. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, yeah, this is when people are bowing before him. And so when he gets to the, the base, he meets a child and the child is confused because he thinks Pippin is a child, but also clearly can tell that Pippin isn't a child and it's kind of cute. And they want to like play, and Pippin's like, "Hey, I'm I'm 20, stronger than you would. I'm 29. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 29, and also I'm stronger than you would think. So don't make me kill you. <laughs> oh, my uncle's 29, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a yeah. bit like that. Yeah. And then the kid is like, "I am Burgle, son of Baragon. Unfortunate name. Very unfortunate name. 
Burgle. Burgle is a very unfortunate name. It's like Virgil with a B instead of a V, like in Spanish. I don't know if it's more Uh, unfortunate than Bungo. I still have held on to Bungo. Bungo's fairly unfortunate. It only sounds unfortunate to you. Maybe in someone else's language and culture, it doesn't sound unfortunate. Also, I don't think it's actually Burgle. I think it's Bergle. Yeah. Or Bear Gill. I mean, it's again, it's 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 a, it's a it's a Lord of the Rings name, so it's a spinoff of whoever the parents were. <laughs> Bergil, son of Baragond, yeah. However, Denethor, um, son of Ecthelion. Yeah, Ecthelion. is that his name? Ecthelion yeah. is an, that's way out. Ecthelion there. is an awesome name. That's yeah, a, that is a bad. That was a, that's a badass name. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome I'll, awesome name. I want to get a bird and name it Ecthelion. I want to get a dog and name it that. <laughs> Like a puppy. Like the cutest puppy you could ever see in Martin. Like, what's his name? Ecthelion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Bergil is also pretty excited about about uh, being companion to Pippin because Pippin can get in anywhere in the city that Bergil himself can't often get into. So he's like, this is I, a good deal. Yeah, I can exploit uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, they basically spend most of the rest of the day hanging out. And Pippin actually in, in, in enjoys his company because he hasn't really been able to just chat with anyone really since uh, since he had to leave his best bud, Mary. Who he says in there is his best friend. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, and so Berigal has the idea of like, oh, let's go see the soldiers return. Yeah. So now we see all of these captains coming from the Outlands. Uh, and it's this is the great, you know, reinforcements to come and help uh, secure the, and and protect the city, but it's really not all that great because you know each army that comes has you know at most a few hundred men each, um, and totaling probably less than three thousand men altogether. Now, when I first read this part, and 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 um, Pippin almost called him Faramir uh, that time. Uh, Pippin notes that there's smoke on, or dust on the horizon kind of thing. And these, and it's mm-hmm. these men coming. I thought it was gonna be Faramir. See, I honestly thought it was gonna be Faramir, but it ended up being, what's his name again? It's something. Well, a, there, a there lot of several people, a lot of people show up basically, but last and proudest Imrahil, Prince of Dol Emroth, kinsman of the Lord with gilded banners, bearing his token of the ship and the silver swan. Yeah. Um, so, I was wondering, Katie, because I I don't know this, is the, the ship in the Silver Swan? That's like a very specific detail. Is that a reference? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Because to me, really it made don't. me think of Irando. That's what. That's the most significant ship and Silver Swan that I can think of, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> the most significant ship and Silver Swan. <laughs> yes. Uh um, you mean like that's something that I had never thought about really actually I mean, but uh, ride the ducks I mean, the that ducks. again <laughs> no chase um, uh, you know I was in Washington DC this weekend and I saw a ride the ducks and I thought of you Chase. yeah they're prominently featured in yeah but I wanted to say that it's it's um not all that wrong I think for you to 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 think, hey, that dust coming is that Faramir? Because exactly. again, we've had you know, uh, we've had throughout uh, like Gandalf earlier in the chapter was talking to Pippin and saying that you know basically this is a chessboard and the pieces are set, and he refers to Pippin as a pawn. Basic, I mean, this kind of veiled reference says that you know even the pawns are going to see uh, this 
war play out and of course that includes you now because you are in service of the king and he said he kind of commends Pippin on doing that he says that was a good and kind thing for you to do I don't know what prompted you to do it but it was good but uh, now you're definitely going to see the battle um, and and Pip and uh, Gandalf of course says now there's one piece that I wish I had and that's Faramir and then again Baragond then later says you know Faramir is out and who knows when he will, will return uh, and so, yeah, there's, I don't think it's entirely outside the realm of, um, yeah, of like logical process that you would think, oh, here comes Faramir, but alas, no, it is not. Well, Gandalf needs to see him. Denethor, well, Gan- Gondor needs Faramir. Yes. Around right now. Yes. Um, it needs its hero. It needs its true hero. Uh, it needs, they need Faramir. And even this chapter ends echoing that sentiment of yeah. where is Faramir of, here comes Faramir here comes <laughs> Faramir right down Pelennor Lane so uh, when Faramir, you might say that Faramir is the hero that Gondor needs but not the hero that Gondor deserves yeah because I would say Aragorn is the one that they deserve right Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it's a. I'm making. I know you're making a joke, but it's God. okay. It's a little too appropriate, though. So anyway, Pippin had gone back to this kind of uh, room that 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 Gandalf had been given, and falls asleep. Uh, still doesn't know. Hey, where is Gandalf? And he had he had wanted to to see him again. Wakes up in the middle of the night to find Gandalf pacing back and forth and muttering about Faramir. So once again, that you know where where is Faramir? He needs he needs to be here. Um. And then Pippin is also told at this point he'll be summoned directly to Lord Denethor in the morning. Yeah, and because and 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 but Gandalf specifically says at the sunrise, but then he corrects himself, or at the dawn rather, oh, yeah. and then he corrects himself. He says there will be no dawn because the darkness has begun, um, and that's a very ominous place to leave us at the end of this chapter. I like audibly when I read this chapter, I went, I went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I was doing my laundry at the time, and the little man who owns the laundromat kind of like looked up, and I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, just reading some intense stuff. Yeah. Right now. Uh, so a few other notes that I kind of eluded over. So when Mary for, dang it, <laughs> <laughs> when Pippin first pledges his allegiance to uh, Denethor, Denethor takes Mary's. Oh my God! <laughs> wow. Do I need to speak Pippin's for you? Sword. Yeah. Yes. Um, takes the sword and says. This is a nice sword. It looks like it was made by one of our forebears in the north. So that's a nice kind of throwback to the Barrow Whites and when they got their swords. Mm-hmm. I like that that's kind of come through the text over and over and over again. Oh, uh, like and years ago. Pippin, mm-hmm. Pippin kind of declines to speak more about that because it was such an awful experience. Um, also, we get all of these tales of uh, the kingdom of Belfalas, which is in the south. And it's... Like there are there are beacons to Rohan and there are beacons to Belfalas and like we learn about a king and his castle like so much more world building than you have room to discuss like yeah. you really have to read it yeah like one thing that they do over and over and over again in the movies is 
take out these kind of ancillary characters who are only mentioned in passing. And even when you watch the movies, like it feels like such a fleshed out world. Like there's just such another level of depth you get when you read it. It's so rich. This was the most dense chapter we have read since the Council of Elrond. Mm -hmm. I stake on that because this chapter took, I mean, I I was doing my whole laundry while reading this chapter. Well, and I think it really needs to be because we need to to we, we haven't really been introduced to the scope of I mean we've been we we've, we've had a little bit here and there through Faramir but the the scope of uh kind of where Gondor lies in um in its history um in its history with with Mordor um, and and kind of what has happened to the city and to the and and to the kingdom. We we haven't really gotten that fleshed out of a view of it. So this chapter like really needs to throw a lot of that at you to um, flesh it out and give us a, a place to to start off in this book. Um, uh, there was something else that I wanted to make note of before. A dog named Kellyon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> a dog named. I'm gonna keep that in mind. Um, Oh, uh, so I wanted to, uh, because you had also made earlier in this episode, Chase, uh, you had made mention of Theoden and how this felt, you know, strangely similar, but also strangely different from that encounter with Theoden. And I think that's another important thing to note, too, that we have these two kings that um, uh, give us kind of another... We don't have two kings. Well, I mean, not kings. You you know what I mean? Two people in power. Yeah, two people in power. We have... Um, we have Theoden King, uh, who had been corrupted by evil, and then we have Denethor, who just kind of has this air about him, who's again, yeah, not not a king, but um, so this, like, I think that this shows us two different views of evil. We have, you know, this corruptive power. That takes a, a a good strong king in Theoden and turns him into this weak pawn of Saruman, and then we have a very different view of evil in Denethor, I think. And at this moment, maybe we don't really see Denethor as evil, but um, yeah, I don't know how what what exactly I I want I, to. I'll, I'll I'll break it down like this for off. me. Okay. Um. So, having read The Hobbit, Lord of the or Fellowship of the Ring, and Two Towers, and now starting Return of the King, there's this um, maturity that's coming about in the storytelling that is not. It's not Tolkien treating his readers like they're immature or anything like that. I'm talking about like there's this like aging aspect to the story mm-hmm. where The Hobbit feels very much like childhood, mm-hmm. straight up childhood, little guy, big world, big adventure coming the summer uh that's what that feels like and then and then fellowship of the ring kind of feels like a little bit older where it's like well we have this grand evil's a little bit darker than you think it is but still we got this great adventure ahead of us and we're gonna take care of it two towers felt like when it handled evil it was like it's like well he's corrupted by power and that's the powerful influences onto him making him act like that it still feels a little not I'm not childish, but kind of childlike. Then we need to get to now where Denethor and Minas Tirith are this way, not necessarily because of anything directly influencing them. It's just because the fact of this is just an aspect of being entrenched 
mm-hmm. being entrenched in a place like I almost feel like you could say that this is kind of going back to being in World War One and being so close to the enemy, but not be able to do anything about it. And, and Denethor doesn't have anyone's influence over him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's that. Yeah. I was also going to say, like, you just have the growing complexity and uh, emotional maturity. That's not the no. That's not the right word. Th- that's the what I felt like. Growing weird. experience of the narrator specifically. Yes. This is very kind of metafictional. Yes. Um, we keep talking about the narrator. I don't recall if we've discussed it outright or if Chase knows, but no, no, no. I mean, I have an idea, but let's not talk about it on the podcast just yet. But I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with Those that, shall we trans? <laughs> with that, shall we transition into our favorites? Sure. All right, I'm gonna go right off the bat and just say like the city of Minas Tirith. It's not like a single specific passage. It's just it's, it's always been my favorite thing from Lord of the Rings. I'm such an architecture nerd anyway, and like the way it's envisioned is just like amazing. So all of the description, all of the art, all of the renderings, all of the imagination of Minas Tirith, you know, in the movies, in the art world, fan art, like it's just all so amazing to me. It it, it is it is an amazing um, accomplishment, and just the way he describes it, even the way he descri- Tolkien describes it is the most alien like thing that we've had in the series. It feels like to me, at least. Um, because everything seems so well rooted in the real world, and this was this has felt like we're getting in touch. Eight with strangers people. living together. This is the real world, Minas Tirith. No, ew. You have, wow, you've done a bad thing. Wow. Um, my favorite. Uh, so th- well, there's there's one little thing that uh, just tickled me from this chapter, and it was Shadowfax suffering himself to be led away. <laughs> yeah. uh, because horses aren't allowed at the citadel um and of course you know because shout up this is undignified for him but but he he allowed it to happen but actually my real favorite uh from this from from this chapter is when pippin kind of first sees the city and it's this this passage it says even as Pippin gazed in wonder, the walls passed from looming gray to white, blushing faintly in the dawn, and suddenly the sun climbed over the eastern shadow and sent forth a shaft that smote the face of the city. Then Pippin cried aloud, for the tower of Ecthelion, standing high within the topmost wall, shone out against the sky, glimmering like a spike of pearl and silver, tall and fair and shapely, and its pinnacle glittered as if it were wrought of crystals, and white banners broke and fluttered from the battlements in the morning breeze, and high and far he heard a clear ringing as of silver trumpets that's just i mean you know we we had said that you know minas tirith sounds like the most beautiful place we've seen thus far or one of one of the most beautiful places we've seen thus far in the book and i i just love that passage it is it is quite remarkable that's why i had to look up some art to remind myself again because reading it and then also like because it's he adds a lot of weight to it, especially the hearing trumpets. They're not really trumpets, but but you can hear you them. can hear them though. You know how sometimes <laughs> when you look at something and you hear the majestic chorus play. Well, it's like being in a in a very large cave. Yeah, I feel uh, like choir music playing in yeah. the soul, or yeah. like organ music. Yeah, that's that's what Pippin experienced yeah. as he laid eyes upon the city. All right, Chase. Do you have anything? My. My favorite part was probably the bit I read 
that was when um, Pippin was swearing himself to Denethor and notes about like until I die or until the or until or the, world, the world the world ends. Yeah, that yeah. was the thing because that got that, I had to read that a few. T- I read that over a few times because it made me feel it, it sent a chill over my spine. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it was a very ominous moment, and it's in a chapter that's kind of full of subtle ominous moments. It's like coming from the perspective of a writer who knows what's about to happen and is throwing a lot of stuff in there, but you don't quite know what's going to happen. You have a bit of an idea. I mean, Frodo did. Frodo and Sam and Gollum did pass Minas Morgul, and a bunch of stuff was spewing out of it. So, <laughs> as the reader, we kind of have an idea. Mm. Yes. Um, so, I know Chase probably disappointed a couple of people in not liking Civil War, but since <laughs> since uh, that happened, both Katie and I have seen Civil War, so I figured we could briefly talk about that. What did you think, Katie? You saw it earlier today, right? Yeah, I, I saw it today, um, and uh, I'm I enjoyed it. I I did too. I didn't I didn't think it like I still think, and again, you know, this isn't an Avengers movie, but it really is. Um, but uh, it's Avengers one <laughs> still stands out as my fave. Um, but yeah, but I I I enjoyed it. I. It was painful, uh, but I I loved being introduced. I loved f- finally getting Black Panther. That's the best thing in the whole movie. Uh, yeah, that's what that, the movie's well worth it for Black Panther. <laughs> um, well, I I agree with you in that I don't think you're going to eclipse the Avengers just because the first kind of that first phase was so perfect because it was simple and as things get more complex, you're just kind of inherently going to lose people along the way. Right. Um. I think it's the first movie in the Marvel canon since the Avengers that really felt necessary to me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Chase and I have discussed really not liking Ant-Man just because Ant-Man didn't feel necessary in a way that like, I actually liked the character of Ant-Man in this movie. I think that the timing of the release of Ant-Man was just bad. It also had that within the... Ridiculously yeah. troubled production as well. Yeah. The kind of. Yeah, exactly. St- and also it felt very stilted and lifeless to me. Like I, I've always t- talked about with Ant-Man. I fell asleep while watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean that I fell asleep while watching it. Like I was bored out of my mind. So. But I, 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 yeah. I did enjoy the character of Ant-Man in, in, uh, in Civil War. And I also enjoyed the character of Spidey in Civil War. I think, um, I think that kid is a great Spidey. He's, he's a, I like he's how- a good Peter Parker. Well, I like how they just breezed past the introduction of Black Panther. It made sense. You didn't need to go into further depth. Mm-hmm. And they breezed past the introduction of Spider-Man. Everybody knows who Spider-Man is. We don't need another Spider-Man origin story. Yeah. And I love that they explained away the Spidey suit as Stark tech. You know, it just, it closed this, this nice gap that the Sony films had never closed before. Of like, how does he make that suit? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've just been slowly working my way through the incredible backlog of amazing television there is out there and i'm uh just yeah uh i don't really have a specific favorite thing other than like you know grace and frankie and veep and the americans (laughs) and just like lady dynamite like all this amazing tv right now uh well my favorite thing from the week is well i i guess i have two very short ones um number one my grandma is actually reading the hobbit right now 
like again or no for the first time for the first time, for the first time. Wow. Never, wow. yeah no my Aww. so my my grandpa was the one who had bought those books for my mom um and in the almost year since he's passed my grandma has started like reading books a lot and we've been kind of giving her books and stuff and so my mom uh recently ordered her the hobbit and the lord of the rings so yeah. grandma's been reading the hobbit and she she likes the the bilbo fellow um <laughs> so so that's you know makes me happy um and uh what else was my thing oh yeah i saw the trailer for jason bourne oh yeah and I'm excited. Yeah. Because if you know me, you know that I love Jason Bourne. That's a great series. I hope. I it's, hope. It's a great series. I hope they, because I didn't think they would ever come back to that series. And if they did, they hopefully had a good idea. Even to call it straight up just Jason Bourne. So I don't know how I feel about that title. I just. It's pretty final. I just like, I just like Julia Stiles being in things. And she's definitely in this. Yeah. Well, Chase, do you have anything to add? Uh, the uh, the one thing, uh, really, I have two things. Um, one is uh, I got into a conversation with somebody, and you you got the tail end of this on Twitter about Speed Racer, and I reminded him that Speed Racer exists and that it's his favorite movie, and it got me yes. thinking I want to either watch Speed Racer or Jupiter Ascending. What ended up winning out was Jupiter Ascending, and God, I love that movie. I love that movie so <laughs> much. Watching it again, I realized how much I just love that movie. I love that movie. I, I keep trying to sell it on people. It's not it's not good, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but, but probably the other thing is i kind of fell hard into this this show on youtube called um monster factory and monster factory is produced by polygon it's hosted by griffin and justin McElroy, who basically spend their time playing video basically they go into video games of character creators and create the most horrible abominations that they can and it's probably one of the oh, best. Oh, I've seen that before. It's probably one of my new favorite YouTube shows, especially the episode where they do Fallout 4 and create a character. Their their sole purpose or their sole goal with Fallout 4 is to break the game to the point where it won't turn on again. And they succeed. <laughs> and how they succeed is a wonderful, wonderful three-part horrifying adventure with the character they've created who they just simply called The Final Pam. And they went through a bunch of other names called like, un- but it's created a few in- inside jokes for some friends who have also seen the show too. But it, it's made me that and Jupiter Ascending have given me a lot of like, um, and also, also my girlfriend's been watching the second season of Grace and Frankie and I keep coming in exact, like during high points in the show, like the, the like the big story beats. And so I've te- I feel like I've seen all of Grace and Frankie, but I've not seen all of Grace and Frankie. <laughs> I know what happens at the beginning. I know what happens at the end. And I know what happens at the, in the middle. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Yeah. Uh, Katie, you want to take us off? Yes. So once again, before we leave, I would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. We really do appreciate any uh, any amount of money that you're able to give us. It helps us out so much to uh, support our website and equipment needs and editing needs. Thank you so, so much for supporting us. And my list just keeps growing longer and that makes us so happy. <laughs> Thank you to Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Anna Dunlany, Ying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Mike Williams, Jacob Verma, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, and Michael Laney. 
And I had quite a conversation with Ben Goldstein about Overwatch. That was enjoyable this week. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, the other day, uh, Micah sent me a, a message, mentioned me on Twitter, and said, took me a couple days, but I'm crying at work now, or I'm teary-eyed at work. And at first, I thought he was talking about the end of the two towers because, you know, that's such an emotional moment. But he actually included a screenshot of him listening to Lava Wim on his phone. And if you know me, you know uh, that yeah. I'm obsessed with opera. So I love that uh, he's gotten into Lava Wim now, too. And I was, like, so excited. And I've been listening to it nonstop now and, like, also crying. If you really want to cry, listen to O Suave Fanichula. Um, it's, yeah, it's just perfect. So uh, thank you for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll be discussing Chapter 2 of Book 1 of The Return of the King, The Passing of the Grey Company. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. See you soon. <laughs> we won't see them, though. I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. <laughs> Jupiter ascending. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month help our podcast grow through your generous support we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment helping us bring you a better sounding more professional podcast nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far 